to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. That excites me. I'm alive. I'm alive and you're alive and I'm afraid. Are you afraid? Let's try to be courageous together. Let's try to be courageous and not cruel. Oh, this is Hardy White, coming to you through the power of radio, through the air, on electricity that goes into your ear, into your brain, from the very heart of New Jersey, which is a heart beating light and love through all the veins of the world. Oh, the earth is veiny like Lee Haney, and all those veins are you and I, and coursing through us is a sort of emotional blood, a blood that unites us, and one thing that unites us all is fear. Oh, I'm going to tell you how to conquer fear. No, I wish I, that's a lie. I wish I knew the answer to that. If I could conquer my own fear, that would be great. Then I would just have, what, a billion more people to do? Because I feel like they're the problem. Well, I'm the problem too. Maybe if I fix myself and then I die, it's pointless. Well, there you go. So it's a little bit futile what we set out to do, and that is conquer fear. But what if we conquered fear using fear? Not just fear, but a mixture of fear, baking soda, and some other common household items. Here's a life hack you're going to love for destroying all the things that cause cruelty and pain and suffering in this world. And what is it? Oh, it's just something you can sprinkle on your food and everything will be all better. In the 1970s, there was an idea that wheat germ could be sprinkled upon ordinary foods, transforming them into something magically healthy. Let's say you had a steak. Take some of this jarred wheat germ which looks like a bit like sawdust, and sprinkle it on there. And then you live forever. There was a fellow that used to be on Merv Griffin a lot, and his name escapes me because he didn't live forever. But one of his uh, things that he touted was eating a certain way, and then that would lead to longevity. Easily proven, isn't it, a few decades later. I think he may be still alive. If He, he might look terrible because I don't know what he was eating at the time. Just say, oh, just eat nuts. People back then ate the bark off of trees because they were fearing their own mortality. A lot of young people that came up during a time when their lives were being transformed by advertising lost touch with some of the parts of their culture that helped them deal with their mortality, the end of their lives and say, oh, I'm aging, but I'm supposed to be forever young. What shall I turn to? In a panic, I shall eat salads. I was watching an episode of Adam 12. One Adam 12, one Adam 12. See the man, cross street central. He's got a beef. Something like that. And uh, it's McCoy and Chalmers, or I don't know their names. And one of them saying, uh, my wife, my wife, is uh, making me eat healthy at home. That's why I'm always hungry. So I'm, I'm craving extra lunch and things here. And the other one says, what is she making you eat? And this fellow says, oh, like salads and yogurt. He didn't say yogurt. He said yogurt. But I have so many listeners in the UK. And they might not, yogurt, what is that? Uh, co- cove. They don't call people cove anymore. I was a pirate in the 19th century. So I was. I thought people still... Use that. So mate they do, but cove, not so much. I like having nicknames for people. I don't know if it's really very polite or whether it's uh, a lot of people don't want that. Say, oh, especially if you're making up the nickname based on some physical attribute or something. People have called me, hey, curly or something because I'm bald. Say, I don't mind that. If I was the... uh, Prophet Elisha, I would have you destroyed. Because they called Elisha some kids in the Bible 
He was in the Bible too. They're all, they were all in the Bible together. Isn't that funny? So Elisha's doing some prophetizing or whatever. And the kids come to him and they go, hey, Baldy, hey, Baldy. This is literally in the Bible. And he says, I'm going to sick a bear on you. And he sicks a bear upon them. And it eats them and destroys them. And he says, who's Baldy now? Who's Baldy now? Who's no, I don't know what he did. Is it insane, I suppose. But not all prophets are sane. And some, I guess, are vindictive and cruel. He must have been a very fearful pro- uh, prophet because I believe that cruelty is connected to fear. That fear makes us cruel. I was convinced by Butchie one time that there was a rabbit outside our house that wanted to kill me. And I thought, oh, he's beautiful little rabbit. I know the one you're talking about. His name's Easter. And we he's cute as a button and his wiggly nose. And Butchie says, no, he wants to kill you, can bite. Now, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter one time, a rabbit attacked him. He was out bass fishing. And the rabbit is like, you're not going to kill my friends, the fish or something, and attacked Jimmy Carter. And everything, oh, Jimmy Carter's so gentle. Well, it was that, that day he was out there doing some killing. So I don't blame that. And they say, oh, it's just a wild hair, wild hair up his, on his boat, up on his neck and everything. And I said, I don't know. But I got convinced that this rabbit was going to kill me. And more my, then I couldn't sleep, knowing the rabbit was outside there. I swore I could hear his nose wiggle and twitch. You know how on Bewitched, when Elizabeth Montgomery would move her nose, it would it would go, diggle, diggle, diggle. I'd like to go back in Bewitched and just take that sound effect out, okay? And then every time that she wiggles her nose, put in this one. Like that. It's like, oh, what's she doing? She could break her own nose with the power of witchcraft. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if she could or not, but that bunny haunted me. And I, I, there was, came a point I could take no more. And I went out and I beat the bunny to death with a shovel. Now, none of this is true. This is what we call a fairy tale or a children's story. But I didn't kill the bunny. There was no bunny. What my point is, is that my fear made me cruel. I was so fearful. Now, this kind of preemptive cruelty could be uh, that could be circumnavigated like the globe, like the veiny globe that I mentioned earlier, uh, using courage. What's courage? Well, you, why don't you Google that? That's a funny thing to ask. Are you afraid? <laughs> no. It's, uh, it's doing something even though you're afraid because you realize the fear might lead to greater harm. So... Go out there and I'd face that bunny. I would have just asked it, say, are you going to hurt me? No. I wish people do that with me because I know there are uh, segments of the population that may fear me. They don't say it's fear. They say, I just, I hate you. Well, why do you, why, why do you hate me? Because your ideas are going to destroy everything. Well, that seems like fear. You're afraid I'm going to attack. Oh, I'm not afraid you're going to attack you. Then why are you bothering with me? That's what I understand. Like, I hate certain poisonous snakes. A lot of them don't live here where I live. And I, I don't go looking for them because I'm not, I'm truly not afraid of them because they're not going to be in my life or anything. So I can, I hate them all day, but I don't have to go look. I think that it's fear that makes you go outside with the shovel and hit the bunny. And so I, I find that with other human beings, too. If I see someone that I'm afraid of, I go, that can't end well because I'm afraid of this person. There's, there's something that could go wrong. And if I judge somebody like that, oh, so I'm sure it was that scary, sketchy fella, right? So it's my fear. And uh, oh, people let that word creep in, too, even if they're doing their hand. I'm just afraid that there will come a time like that. And you go, oh. So I think you think that's a different type of fear. How do I gain courage, Hardy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm always looking for it myself. 
I'm always out there. I'd say keep your eyes open to courage. If you know that fear might lead you to do some things that are harmful, then maybe just being aware of certain uh, eyes open. What do I do when the world is against me? It's closing in. Hey, you have two things that you can do in the face of an overwhelming enemy. Uh, one is hide, and the other is run and hide. So sometimes you can't always confront the things that will destroy you. I've noticed, I, I said I was on the Titanic because I have a time machine. And they said, are you going to go in the, uh, in the lifeboats? And I go, no, I'm going to stand here and fight. And they go, there is no fight, buddy. It's just this, the ship's going down. I go, I'm going to fight against the water. They go, it's not, it doesn't work that way. We're all going down. So either, you know, turns out there was plenty of room in the lifeboats. I don't know why a lot of say, oh, no, man, I don't blame you. <laughs> I think if one lady started it, because, oh, your husband tried to get in. Oh, no, 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 no room. And then everybody was like, oh, well, they got a rumor went around, no husbands. And so they all went down. All these millionaires went down on that boat, too. If we could get them and bring them back up, we'd have a millionaire. I wonder if you could make any money that way. I have a, a millionaire skeleton, and he's living with me now. And I got the skeleton, and in his cold, dead hand was his checkbook. And granted, it was from 1913 or whatever, but still... So I went and I took one of the check. I took his bony hand and I tried to, I was like, Mr. Astor, like that. And then I, I tried to cash some checks. I wouldn't do that to the dead. I might to the long dead. I don't know. No, I wouldn't do that either because I believe there was some grave robbing going on. They broke into, they broke into the pyramids. They broke into them almost immediately. The minute the pyramids were done, they weren't even done, I bet. Because I've been, haven't you ever been, you ever work construction? You will realize that houses get broke into even before there's anything to break into. Like people come and take stuff immediately. So I bet the pyramids were getting robbed before they even put any dead kings in it. All dead kings and the dead king's things. And the dead king's friends and the dead king's pets. All went in the tomb. This is the house that, that Ramses built. This is the cat that lives in the tomb that Ramses built. Or is it Ramesses? Ramesses. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. He's not my king. Not my pharaoh. Uh, I say pharaoh. We want to leave the grip of your fear. Pharaoh, you are telling us, you are telling me that I cannot break out into the unknown that this, this system that I am used to is is safety. Even though I know it's not fair, I feel like I'm being oppressed. Oh no, what you you can't leave. The whole uh, story there leaving Egypt can also be like a relationship telling you no, you'll never make it on your own. Think about it that way. More people would leave their uh, religious cults if they read the, uh, their own Bible, you'd think. Somewhere somebody's going like, "Oh, my goodness, I don't have to be trapped here." In uh, I don't know what's trapping you. Bless you. I don't know. It might be some, I don't want to know. I almost named a specific group. I don't want to do that because, uh, hey, say, so, oh, I don't like that. I'm not going to listen to that hardy fella. But you can leave if you feel like a situation is is harming you. Oh, and you say there's a desert out there. I would. Do I want to be free in the desert or do I want to be trapped here in this same situation where I'm less of a human being. I will be fully human in the desert of my fear rather than trapped here, a child being taken care of. Oh, no. Oh, these are all metaphorical. I'm not talking about politics. This is all your soul. This is all soul stuff, I think. The application of it in a group like that, that's beyond me. I like saying beyond my ken, because every time I say it, I think of all my friends named Ken. My Ken. They're all my Ken, aren't they? Is that my, that's my Ken. Um, one Ken I haven't seen in a long time. I wonder if he's still, he'd still say we're friends, I think. 
I'm going to check in on that can. I got a couple of them. One can's a Kenny. Hi, Kenny. Two Kennys. One can is in New Jersey. Kenny has a New Jersey connection. And Ken, what's Ken? Ken is originally from Allentown, I think, or something. I don't know. I got I get them all confused. I don't really. I know I get them straight. Have you ever done that? So I'm gonna list all my friends that have the same name. And then you get you go, wow, that's boring. I just wrote down Mike four times. But I guess it may maybe a more fun way to do that game. Oh, I'm glad that you're my friend and joining me to, today. Am I afraid of you? I might be afraid of your rejection. What if I got to really liking you and respecting you? And then you became a source of fear for me. Because every time I saw you, I'd think you, what if, what if, what if they reject me? I saw uh, John Lovitz was giving an interview. He was talking about working with Woody Allen. And he said, oh, Woody Allen's my idol. What if, what if, what if he rejects me? I go, oh, that'd be, oh, that'd be like Bill Cosby rejecting you or something. So I don't, uh, I don't fear uh, rejection too much of other human beings. I used to, but then I wondered why I was putting people on pedestals to begin with. I think I'll put ideas on pedestals and not people. I will, uh, that, that way, give them a little slack there because all, they will all disappoint. Uh, and we know that. Don't put all your hope in a human being. A hope can stay floating around and go from person to person. It's in all of it. It's like a gas. Hope gas. Bob, Bob Hope had a lot of it, didn't he? It kept him alive, the hope gas. Um, now, gas rhymes with fast, doesn't it? Bob Fass. And that reminds me of the Mal Hope March. What are you talking about? I'm talking about that art piece. I forget who did it, but I think Bob was the interviewer. And people were holding signs with a picture of Bob Hope on it and a picture of Mao. And they were just walking around. And then he would interview people and say, what do you think of this protest? And they'd go, I don't understand. Who is that? You know, I, I know the one of them is, is uh, Chairman Mao. I don't recognize the other fellow. But um, why, would you say, why would you say that? Well, I'll tell you what, because that kind of confusion can lead to fear. Let's see those people looking at that say, what are those protesters doing? Are they the other? And we do that when we see people who are emotional about having an opinion or something. That's the other. And so we could be a little responsible for stoking uh, fear. I've seen uh, there was a fella I was seeing getting out of a car, and he had a T-shirt on and said, I am the weapon. And I thought, oh, he seems friendly. I wonder why I was wearing that. I guess, does he want people to come up to him and go, oh, I hope you have a good day or something? I think that, say, fear me, I'm about two seconds away from killing you. So don't you even mess with me. And that, when I see somebody like that, I, I think, well, I wonder what they think messing with him is. Because I've seen some people think if you look at him for two seconds, you're messing with them, and then they feel like they maybe they could kill you or hurt you. So I never know whether... That's an interesting message. Now, I don't know that that could come from a place of utter confidence because I don't, um, John Wick doesn't walk around with a T-shirt on that says, I am the weapon, I'm going to mess with me. John Wick is the understated. He's a, he just walks around in a suit. You don't know he's the Baba Ganoush, right? Ooh, I know that's not it. I'm trying to make you laugh a little bit. I love when you make jokes about eggplant dip. I do, too. I do, too. I'm just a fool. Madamas. I'm going to make all sorts of, like, dips. Like I like fava beans. I'm not going to lie to you. And I know that Epicurious says the stalks of them, they should be avoided because the stalks transmit souls from the ground to heaven. And I've talked about this before. I've also talked about um, favism. And you say, oh, do you mean the art movement? No, this is a real thing. Sometimes I actually say real things and people think I'm making them up. But there's a disease where you can't eat fava beans. And then um, 
But I mentioned this in one of my many lectures at Monte Hall. But this also confers a, a somewhat of an immunity to malaria. Isn't that interesting? So there's a, I guess there's a trade-off in life. So I don't mind not eating fava beans if I won't die from a mosquito bite. Well, I believe I could arrange that, said the Lord, and he created uh, uh, genetic diseases. I will, I will, in my great wisdom, I will create maple syrup urine disease, said the Lord. And he did this. He says, I will, I will make blue fugates. Um, and I've talked about that too. Oh, it's so much. Oh, I love when you speak about human genetics. Thank you. Um, I don't do it very often. And why is that? Hmm. Well, I'm not an expert. And a lot of medical stuff, they they almost require it now, nowadays. I was watching the Beverly Hillbillies the other day. Do you have a new, is your TV a time machine? I don't get that. I got free TV. And nothing's free. Because I have to watch Jimmy Walker every 10 minutes. I got to see him go, <laughs> money or something. Also, William Shatner. He wants me to, he's very interested. They're all advocating for um, these Medicare Part B, C. There's one Medicaid Part M I'm really fascinated with. And what's Medicare Part M? Well, you get that through the Hells Angels. Um, it's the 13th letter. Medicaid Part M. It's the Hells Angels insurance plan. But what they do is that you, you call them up. You call a biker. And you give them your zip code. And then they tell you if you're eligible for anything. And they'll be like, yeah, you can get your teeth done. So uh, I did that. And I would like to see more obscure celebrities. They're all having these celebrities that you, that you know. But I would like ones that, you know, you go, I know that guy. Who was that guy? He was in Cop Rock, I think. Like that. That's what you, They should be hard to identify. Um... Who is that? It's driving me crazy. But they got them obvious ones like Joe Namath and everything. Bless his heart. Bless all of their hearts. It makes me feel old. See, these people that were older than me, and they're still alive. It's television. It preserves you, except for the ones that it kills. It's killed so many. TV's killed more than I think that it's, than it's preserved. I was watching Johnny Carson the other day, and I was thinking, man, he's dead. He's so dead, long dead. And there he is, like, going, is that, is that, that's so fascinating. <laughs> I, I did not know that's so very fascinating. I go, Johnny, look at you, smoking a cigarette while you're talking to people. I don't know, how about that? Is that true, though? And I think he's gone. He was talking to Norman Mailer. I said, Norman Mailer's dead. Isn't he dead? Oh, he's got to be dead. They're all dead. Aren't they? Some of them must be alive. Carol Burnett was on. She's living. But all, and Vicki Lawrence is alive. She was not on that show. A lot of people on television are still alive. Um, we did finally lose Nehemiah Persoff, who's equally known for television and movies. Oh, so many of the greats are gone. The very first person on television was, uh, it was in, a lot. people don't know this, but it was in the, I believe, like the 18th century. And it was a comedy dell'arte thing. And it was a Scaramouche character, and very blurry, because like I said it was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It was before, I think there's only one television. And it, the way they did it was they just had the one television and people would come from all over the town and all over the country, really, and sit in these seats and watch the big television, which was primitive and, and it was just people standing on on giant like like a stage kind of but it would be what we would see is the television the depth of the television on the Flintstones a lot of times you'll see what they're watching is just a bird doing pantomime or something I believe that's how it or puppets I forget how they do television on them there's always somebody the animal in there cranking it up it's always a bird. It should be bugs or something. It's just thousands of roaches are empowering the Flintstones appliances. How do you get that toaster? These little roaches scurrying everywhere and we're harnessing the, the, the kinetic energy there. 
and that'd be very real, maybe too real. And the real life of a caveman or whatever species, I think that people go, oh, well, there's Flintstones are a different species. They're not. I think they're they're Homo sapien, just like us. Um, maybe not all. I don't know whether they had Neanderthal characters on there. I don't remember the show that well. I know that a lot of it is based on the honeymooners, who were also cave people who come back from Ralph Cramden comes back into the future, and he's a caveman, but he's like, oh, now I'm a bus driver. And Norton, who is not the Emperor Norton, I'll go into that later, works in the sewer. Now, I don't think they've got Barney Rubble working in the sewer, but I don't know. He might. I think they have him in the sewer, and it's comical because the fellow who works in the sewer is seen as kind of the lowliest, so lowly. And the bus driver, I've never thought of the bus driver's lowly. I mean, as a child, I thought that was the ultimate responsible job. I hadn't been on a plane yet. So it was a sort of pilot. So, oh, my grandpa was a bus driver in the war. You know, he took out all these foreigners and stuff. And they still, bus drivers still do that, I think, but on their own. There's more of a, everybody's, oh gosh. It is like out there, just a battle every day, isn't it? And I know how hard life can be. A lot of my friends have, <coughs> are having health problems because they have physical bodies. My friends who don't are spared that largely, but uh, my, my friends that do have physical bodies go, oh, it's always something breaking down, and not one of them has survived life. There's some that are still going, but who knows? No one gets out of here alive, and we all are pretty sure there's an afterlife where we sit there on cloud benches and look down and just miss people and pine and just feel awful, and that's called heaven. We look, oh, I'm just, my heart's being ripped out. How much I miss my family. Oh. And then there's heart music. And you just sit there, oh, I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food. I'm a ghost. That, so if, when they start asking you questions at the gate, just get an attitude. Because, you know, you don't want in necessarily. You go, I don't want to hang out out here. I'm just going to talk to people as they come up, that panhandle or something. Um, sell them stuff they don't need. Hey, you're going to heaven? You're going to need one of these. Maybe make a, little, make a little change there at the pearly gates. I don't know whether they're really pearly. I think they're pearlescent, but I think it's just paint. They're not made of pearls. That's grotesque. Why would there be dead in heaven? Well, I guess there's a lot of, there's a lot of death. Everyone in heaven's experienced death, some in a horrifying way. You don't meet many people here on earth who, who have been blown to pieces. Usually that's the people in, in, the, in heaven are going to have that experience. That's one of those kind of transcendent experiences. You go, well, you never, you can't, you can't live to tell about it. And uh, in fiction you can. That's what is so confusing about movies. You, you watch these movies and you go, hey, they, they had, what an adventure. But they never really lived to tell about it. So who knows what really happened in, in Star Wars Rogue One? Unless I guess everything was being videoed. I don't know. Star Trek explored that. Where in the Captain Pike stuff, where they they were was mysterious video footage because the people that had pulsating large veiny like Lee Haney brains um, were creating it with their mind. Which is um, Gosh, it's like what, what they would now call meta. You go into this other world and you go, oh, well, there's Captain Pike when before he had his accident. Can't they, I guess they can cure him, but only in his brain. I love that episode because it's like, oh, it's perception. We want to get back. We want to get the captain back where he can deceive himself into joy. And I wonder if, if that's wrong. There's an inconsistency because Kirk is for that, and then he's against deceiving yourself into feeling joy when he's on the hippie, um, the hippie planet, where there's drug drug flowers. 
And he's like, no, snap out of it. Where's your... And he starts slapping people and stuff. Conflict is good for you and stuff like that. So he has two conflicting ideas in his brain. And most of us do, I think, like that. Uh, and I hope that you have two conflicting ideas in your brain. One of them is, oh, I love Hardy. I don't want to know what the other one is, really. I know there are some that do not enjoy my radio program. They say, what you do and the words you speak are not for me. I prefer one of the podcasts that tell a story about, let's say, a compelling murder. There was a young person, and they were maudod. And then let's talk about the police characters. All the police are different characters and everything. There's Detective Fusco or something. Oh, my gosh. I should do that. Maybe I should learn about something, and then you, I'll tell you my version of it. So I know this isn't very interesting. The plumber came the other day, and my pipes are very, very old. And one of them had stopped up completely, and it was a pipe that makes the water go away, and it hooks up to the sewer and everything. And so one of the sinks wasn't draining. And uh, it was that old, you know, uh, metal pipe. And we took it down. And it was completely clogged with hor horror, human horror, the detritus of 30 years of toothpaste spit and hair and I don't know what, whatever goes down the sink, whatever you put down the sink, jammed up in a big wad of something, which then, I guess, if the water was off for a while, rock, became like rock. So once that dries out, if you go somewhere and you got old pipes and they dry out, you're going to get a, a thing in there that's it's like a diamond, but it's made of anything that came out of your head or any part of your body that then went into the sink. So that could be anything. Oh, my word. So uh, we had to cut that out because I was no the water wouldn't leave anymore. And that's an odd feeling. You just expect it. You say, well, I think that's just... But now I've been in houses long enough, I realize that it, I don't take that for granted that the poo is just going to exit stage right and never come back again. Because it could get hung up outside. Say, let's say you have some uh, that old Orangeburg sewer line made of... Uh, it's almost like uh, compressed tar paper or something. And that all bubbles up and deteriorates, and all of a sudden... Your waste, your surge, is not leaving your home. And here it comes. You thought it was gone. You got to face it again. Oh, we don't want to think about those clogged lines, those clogged veins, where are the love and light no longer courses through. Oh, pump that love and light from the heart of New Jersey. Why is the heart of New Jersey way up at the top? New Jersey's heart is in its throat. I don't know which way it's situated. I don't know which is the tail end. And uh, South Jersey would be like, oh, actually, we're the head and we're laying on our back. Uh, who knows? I think it just, I don't know. I really don't know. I love the state. And you're hearing, you're hearing me from it. It's the center of things right now. Say New Jersey's the center of things. It's coming to Hardy. His voice is coming from there, and it's coming through the air, through electricity, and it's coming into my radio in New York City, and I'm sitting here in my apartment, and I'm sad, and I feel fearful, and I feel angry, and I, I'm thinking things about my fellow human beings I don't want to feel anymore. I want to be gentle. I want to feel that kindness but when I'm surrounded by injustice or surrounded by hate and cruelty, it hardens my heart and I get angry and I want to lash out and I want to destroy the destroyers. And that's a hard thing to fight. Oh, so maybe all fighting it will take it out of both of us. Let's just fight it out and then we kill each other. And then you're right. We'll sort of end that for a minute. Solving things is different. 
and trickier. And repairing the world is not for everyone. And you say you want to do it, but it's finessey and it's confusing, I think. And a lot of the answers are unsatisfying. You know that when you're a child and you say, I hope that answer isn't no candy. Oh, and the answer is no candy. No, I don't want to hear that. Therefore, I reject the answer. A lot of times that happens too. You say, your question, even one that you might be pursuing your whole life, may have already been answered, but it wasn't the answer you wanted, so you ignored it. And now here you go, off on a quest to find something that you already found, guaranteeing that you'll find nothing. How about that? Is that right, Hardy? Maybe I should look back. Maybe I had what I needed. Maybe the answer just wasn't satisfying to me. And so I ignored it. Oh, I'm not here to fill any emptiness. I'm here to take that emptiness and let me just, I'll tidy it up. So when you put something back in it, it'll be clean. But the dirt that was there won't, let's get, now that you're empty, let's go ahead and do a thorough cleaning. And then when we fill you back up, it'll be that much nicer. That's the way I look at it. It isn't, uh, it isn't making lemonade out of lemons necessarily. It could be selling the lemons for sugar or something. Well, well you need that. Then I wouldn't, that's a little magi. Um, let's see. It's selling the lemons for a sweeter fruit. Hmm? I don't know. How many Meyer, they're Meyer lemons, so I don't know if you'll want them. We got the tree. It's just, we're laden. I'll send you these Meyer lemons for, uh, 12 of them for one orange. And it's got to be juicy. One juicy orange. Would you do that? Or are you going to make lemonade? And you're going to sell it? I'll tell you one way you ought to do it. You ought to sell it and then, uh, but every product... And this is something I, be I believe strongly. should have a lot to read on it, like that Dr. Bronner stuff. I remember we'd get packets of instant oatmeal when I was a child. And um, individual packets had little cartoons or trivia on them. There'd be something interesting on them. And I would, I would empty it and I'd go, save the packet. And then I'd have something to read while I'm eating that half a portion of oatmeal, which is what comes in the envelope. Two is the, you got to put two in to make an actual bowl of, uh, of oatmeal. I might have said, did I say omelet? Oh my gosh, I might have. Do you worry when that happens to you? I worry. Sometimes I'll listen, I go, I don't listen to the show. What if I'm saying all the words wrong? I completely have aphasia and I think it was a fine show and I'm saying typewriter monkey belt carpet. Uh, oh, something's wrong with... Hardy was being real surreal the other day. It's so Dada. No one will know if my, something happens to my brain because they'll think I'm just being, wow, how is he? He's very creative. Or there's damage. I'd love that if you were able to see a live streaming scan of my brain as I spoke to you. Maybe you could tell whether I was lying or something. Look, what, look at the region that's lighting up when, when Hardy's talking about that. What does that say about him? Why don't we try to guess at his meaning without paying attention to the actual words? Let's pretend he's not saying what he's meaning. Do you ever do that? I do that with all the... Whenever I watch a movie, I go, I bet they're all lying. And it turns out that they are in a way because it's a movie, right? All the, 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 the lines aren't real. It disturbs me watching acting. Because I'll watch an act, actor and I'll go, that seems so real. If I met Tom Hanks, I wouldn't trust a word that came out of his mouth. Because I said, one of the reasons that you're most famous actors in the world is because you're the, one of the best liars. You're a liar. You're not, you weren't in Vietnam or ever. You don't, that was, a, you're doing a voice. So I, I don't know, how do you trust them? Everything's, you know, convincing. I'm not convincing. If I was doing a, uh, for instance, um, is this dagger I see before me? The handle? 
towards my hand. Come, let me clutch thee. <gasps> I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art that not fatal vision? Uh, a dagger of mind, or art thou a dagger of the mind? A false creation. I forgot some of it. That is the Scottish, the Scottish play. And I'm doing a little bit of that. But that was not convincing. You didn't, for one minute, think I was the Thane of Cawthorn or wherever he is. Did you? Oh. So, uh, but if I was a good actor, you'd go, that Hardy's lying. He's lying. He's looking right, he's looking me right in the eye and lying to me like a salesman. Oh, yeah, I'm not a salesman. Someone came to the door the other day. I'm not, I'm, I want to love everybody, but when someone's trying to sell me something, I feel like I'm getting played a little bit because my natural inclination of making friends with them or being loyal to somebody is being exploited. They do that on purpose. They go, you know, I want to feel like your buddy, so you give them money for something you don't need. Somebody comes to the door. They say, do you have a lawn service? We're the lawn service. I go, okay. I got somebody who does my lawn. And they said, may I ask who that is? And I said, well, it's, I think it's your mom. No, I didn't say that. I wanted to say it really bad. I said, well, it's none of your business. I think it's very strange. What are the grocery stores going? Did you get everything you need or did you get some things at another shop? I, I'm sorry. I was worried they're going to badmouth, you know. Oh, I've got old Charlie lawn service. Charlie, them? <laughs> okay. If you want to kill your lawn. What, what? What do you mean? So I wasn't about to give him a name or anything like that. I thought that was kind of ugly. Um, you know. Hey, you see at a bar. Hey, you married? Yeah. Can I ask who you married to? <laughs> no, I think you need to leave. Leave me alone. So I thought that was weird. And you're at my door. I love it. If you were at my door asking for something, I'd be. I'd probably give it to you. But selling me something I don't need, and then making me feel bad for not getting it. I know you didn't make me feel bad, but I've had that happen before. I had someone curse me out because I didn't let him in to rob me. One time they were at the, the police were looking for him and they were up at my door and said, let me in, let me in. And I said, no, go away. I don't know you. And then they cursed me out. And I was like, well, what? You were going to come in and, and hold me up or something. Why are you mad at me? Gosh, I was so, oh, so angry because I was afraid. I was afraid. Um... I got, oh, I got my real angry voice, though, my scary voice on. You get out of here. <laughs> Did you ever try to be scary like that? You get out of here now. Uh, I can do better than that. I didn't want to frighten you. Say, so, oh, that's Hardy's scary voice is scary. Well, I just go, just try to sound like Frank Sutton or something. I just go, oh, I'm all Sergeant Carter, this guy, out of here. But, uh. Well, you know, sometimes it happens. But scary things come right to your door and you feel helpless. Well, you're not always going to be able to win all the battles. Some of them are going to uh, be a total loss. And old Hardy's going to be there for both of them. One of them he'll be celebrating and the other he'll help you clean up. Sometimes you need someone to eat cake with you. Sometimes you need someone to rub cake on your open wound. If that's helpful. If that's a good thing. Let me try this. Sometimes when you're celebrating, you need someone to eat pudding made out of neosporin with you. And other times you need someone to rub that on your open wound. And I want to be that person for you but I don't want to have to go to you. That's why I'm on the radio. I feel like my voice travels better. My voice travels better than I do. I do not travel well. My voice will never throw up in your car. You have driven around with me. I know you have. In your car, have I once vomited? No. If I had been with you, there is a good chance I might have thrown up uh, because I get Motion sickness. Oh, gosh. It's been 
a terrible bane on my existence. Am I using the word right? That motion sickness, throwing up, there's ride, carnival rides I can't go on, boat rides. People go, let's go drift fishing. No. I mean, I can stand on the bank of a river or something and fish. I can sometimes go in a bass boat if it's very still and it's a lake and the lake is empty. But flying in planes sometimes is hard if they do that all that stunt flying that they do in storms. I have difficulty on um, large boats even, cruise ships. Um, maybe funiculars. Some think that life is made for fun and pleasure. And so do I. So do I. Something that life is sad beyond all measure and pine and sigh and pine and sigh. But I, I like to spend my days in singing a joyous song, a joyous song. <laughs> I forgot the words. I used to know it. I forgot the words. Uh, come then, come then. We'll be gay. Aha. Come then, come then. We'll be gay. Ha 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 ha. Finicula, finicula, finicula. We'll be gay. Ha ha. Finicula, finicula. Ha 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 ha. That's a great song. And sometimes, if I'm making a a movie about Italian people celebrating, I'll put that one in there. I'll sing that one. And um, that's a fun, uh, oh, mama. Oh, that was, is it the same tune? I don't know. But uh, Louis Prima, oh, my goodness. He could maybe sing that for you. I believe he's perished. He's gone now. And uh, But if he were here, he would sing it for you. If he was right here, he'd sing it for me because I'd be, there'd be no other reason for Louis Prima to be here. Louis, hi, welcome. <laughs> Uh, it's so great. You sound like the other Lou. Oh, do all Louis sound like that? Because even my Lou has some sort of problem with his... Yeah, we all have like that going on. So, um, uh, Louis Prima, let me ask you a question. Um, what, what, kind of, what kind of black magic do you like? That old black magic. Hey, Louis Prima. I'm doing, this is an old radio gag. We asked a question and then the answer with the song title, but I don't have the song queued up. So I'm just going to sing it. it. Probably violates the spirit of the thing. Doesn't make it near as clever. I never said I was clever. And I never said that I belonged on the radio. So why does this fellow even have a radio show? Hey, it wasn't my doing. Um, I'm going to be totally honest with you. So you wanted, you did you ask for a raise? No, I didn't. So uh, some ha people have mediocrity thrust upon them, and that's me. And I just, things fall in my lap, like bugs or uh, animal scat or tree limbs, and opportunities sometimes fall in my lap. So I always wear that's why you always catch me wearing something protective. Why Why the codpiece, Hardy? Because something might fall in my lap, a job opportunity or something. And you never know whether, you know, where you're, what, how your lap is situated. I try to keep my, I, I don't keep my legs crossed because I notice that my circulation isn't as good as it is. And sometimes now when I have my legs crossed, my foot will just fall off. It'll become... Uh, necrotic and just fall off like that like it's a like bull testicles if you I guess you put a rubber band on them or something why would you do that I don't it's not my idea I didn't do it my grandfather as you know if you listen to the show uh, when he died and we went through his desk we found his father's and his, I guess, is caponizing tools for when they were um, doing that to chicken, to roosters. <laughs> and um, they would take their 
their gonads off, I guess is what the technical word, with these tools that look like lock picks. Or, I don't even remember what they look like. I blocked it out, maybe. I don't know what else was in it. He sharpened a lot of pencils. The last few years of my life, my, his life, my grandfather would just sharpen pencils and stick them in a cup. And I don't even know if he used them. Just like, well, it's first thing in the morning, I will now sharpen pencils. And he'd go and sharpen them all. And finally, they'd whittle down to nothing. He'd throw them out, get new pencils, sharpen those. It's something to do. And when you're older like that and you're retired, my grandfather was retired from doing a lot of jobs that he was fired from. So that's an interesting, not anything specific. What happened is, you know, he'd work these jobs and then he had a rich aunt die, which never happens. Right? That never happens in the real world. But it did to my grandfather. And then all of a sudden, he's like, well, I guess I'll retire down at the factory. He was just like uh, Fred Flintstone. And uh, he's like, well, what am I going to do now? And so he got his real estate license, and he would just go sit at a real estate office with his friends. And I don't think he sold one house. But he would just do it so he could wear a colorful jacket and sit there. And uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the ones that had the specific color jacket. It was an independent broker who had they just liked to wear pastel jackets for the heck of it. I guess they thought that sold more houses. I think if your agent feels like man, they just look at them, they're prospering. That's fantastic. I want you. You look like a cracker. I want this agent in my corner. That's who I want. Sometimes I have a real estate agent just representing me in other things. It's not even, once you find a realtor you like, TM, then um, you can use them for all sorts of things, right? I use them for all sorts of things, not just reality. Um, they do parties for me and uh, just, you name it, you name it. It's my, uh, my realtor's my doctor. Before I go to any kind of medical thing, I'll call up and they go, hey, just you've sold a lot of houses. What do you think this thing on my back is? And they go, oh, take a look at that, you know. But then when they say you can get money, because that's, that's considered a flaw. So maybe you can get money off or something. It's tips like that. I like being friends with people that work on my house, too, so that they don't booby trap it. Say, hey, if, do you need any water or something? Sometimes that can keep them from doing something. They'll make a whole wall collapse because I don't know what's going to make them angry. I did have someone come in one time and clearly took issue with, with um, my religious heritage and just kept spitting on everything. And that was a little something. So, oh, that's interesting. So and you're in my house and... <laughs> And then, you know, it's like, oh, if I did that, I'd, I'd, I'd pummel the... No, you wouldn't. That's the thing. So oh, if I, somebody was spitting on my floor because of, of uh, they were a bigot or something, you, I'd hit them. No, you wouldn't, though. You wouldn't. You'd stare in disbelief. You'd say, I am in a very strange situation, and uh, I'm a little afraid. Because if people are that uh, fearful and cruel, what are they going to do? You know, it's hard to know where and when to make a stand. I feel that way. So to where? Where do you fight the battle? Uh, it feels like screaming in, in my hallway that this person is not, uh, what, what are we going to solve? So I said, hey, let me show you something. Follow me. And then I led them outside and locked the door. But, I mean, that's not, that's just the way I operate. You know, I, I'm... I'm uh, I don't, my intentions, I don't always wear on my sleeve because I'd rather, I'd rather things go my way than um, get any credit for it. So that's, that's just me. I don't need to prove anything. I realize my limitations of my intellect, of my physical strength, of my likability. I really do. And I, I, I don't mourn any of that, really. Um... You know why? I'm, I'm some of it's lucky. I like just I'm fine. I'm smart enough. I'm ugly enough or something. I'm everything enough. In many ways, I'm lucky and blessed. In other ways, I'm only moderately blessed. 
But I know I'm doing better uh, than some, especially the, the long dead, which are not, they're not faring too well. But I'm still here and enjoying. Every once in a while, you'll get a really fine pastry. And you'll say, now they know how to do it. But I'm not going to lie to you. If somebody gives me pastry, with, let's say, especially with bad pastry cream, I will, uh... all right, I was going on about bad pastry cream. I did have to press the mute button because there was a stink bug in my pants. I don't know where you live, but this is a time of year where there's stink bugs get clinging to your clothes. One of them, I guess, clung to the inside part of my pants, and I was sitting here, and I felt something creeping around on my thigh and I did not panic because I was like I bet I bet anything that's a stink bug crawling on my thigh inside my pants between my pants and my naked thigh and I'm going to very calmly get up drop my drawers extract the bug he didn't make it either sometimes they they survived. I must have pinched them or something. I feel a little bad, but not really. It's an invasive species. There's two. There's a native stink bug, but these are the Chinese ones. And they eat tomato plants. So I don't feel bad. And I also feel, oh gosh, there's something real profound about having... I'm from Florida, so I've had insects up in my clothing countless times. I've had bugs in my shoes... That would, you'd, you would, if you're just looking at him, you'd vomit. But I know in Florida, you just go, God, I know there's a bug in my shoe, and I know it's ugly, and I know it's big, and it smells like almonds. So I'm just going to get it out of the shoe. And that's the world. But, you know, that's the world we live in. You can't, I'm so afraid of bugs. <laughs> this is not the planet for you. I can't even tell you. You don't even want to know how many insects I was living in an apartment building one time in France, and the apartment building was built in the 20s, I think. And, oh, the walls, the inside of those walls were infested with roaches. Uh, not the American cockroach, the little tiny ones, the, the, the little European ones. <laughs> what we call over there, we call them here like German cockroaches or something. But this was French. I, I, it wasn't even Alsace. But uh, they were in the walls. They were in the walls. Were alive. They were just a, a a biosphere inside these old Art Deco walls. And and if it had been the Flintstones, then they would have harnessed that energy. I couldn't imagine. Say so all that stuff in there. Why aren't we using that? Isn't there a way to put little little um uh what do you call treadmills? in there so little little cockroaches run across it and generate power can we just at least leave the do the lights in the hallways could be powered that way i lived in that apartment for only a year and i remember right before i moved um the landlord said do you have anything in the storage and i go what storage so i was on the third floor i think and then like the fifth or sixth floor uh he said there's storage i go oh i didn't know that and he said, took me up there and there was these rooms that were their size of like small apartments like they were like new york size apartments and they were storage there was actually a fella living in one he wasn't supposed to be but you could live in them and then with these and i thought i could have used that as like an art space or something now i know unbelievable I found out like a week before I moved, I've got this great big space there. Thanks a lot. So, what's the moral there? There's roaches in the walls, and there's bugs in your pants. Oh, my friends, I'm so glad to be, I hope I've lifted up your heart a little bit. I hope I have I've taken it out of your chest, given it a good wash, and put it back, and it's more whole and better than it was. You are listening.
to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County in New York City, New York, and online worldwide at WFMU.org. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.